0: This morning, we're going to continue our, our study. We've been, we've been looking at a study called Radical ID or a Radical Identity, who we are as believers in Christ. And, and I don't know about you, but God has been, He's been encouraging me with this. Uh, these are things that, that, that I'm learning with you. Some of these things uh, I know, but some of these things I'm learning with you. And what I'm learning is, is that if I will live out who I am in Christ, everything else will change. The circumstances I'm in, uh, the situations I find myself in, uh, everything changes when I begin to live out of who He is, not out of who I am. See, my identity is wrapped up in Christ. You'll hear me say that over and over and over, that our identity is in Christ. It's in Christ. It's in Christ. And the reason I say that is because that's what Scripture teaches. Our identity is in Christ. Last week, uh, we talked about access. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that this morning. But uh, I'm going to share a revelation with some of you. In my former life, I was a plumber. Now, many of you may not realize that. Some of you might. You know, if you have a plumbing issue... Okay, you might want to call somebody else, but but yeah, I still do a little bit, but in my former life, I was a plumber, and uh I really do know what real work's all about, okay? I've heard all the jokes uh, about preachers. they work one day a week okay I, I know I know how to use a shovel, I know how to crawl. If you don't think so, just ask Penny. Penny crawled up under her house with me years ago, so she knows how to crawl too, okay. <laughs>
1: She can't do it anymore,
0: but she knows how she saw me under her house, okay? Her crawling days are over, and I pray that mine are. But uh, during the 1980s, I, I was a-, a superintendent for a pretty good-sized plumbing company, and uh, we specialized in doing uh, new construction on apartment complexes, and I was one of the superintendents. And so that meant on my project I was responsible for everything except bidding the job, and getting the check. Okay, there's a whole lot between bidding the job and getting the check. I was responsible for that. I was responsible. Uh, I managed the job crew. I, I I hired. I fired. I ordered material. I scheduled the work. Uh, I turned in the billing. I handed out the paychecks on Friday. And then one of the biggest parts of my job was to run interference during the week every day between the other subcontractors and the job superintendent, so that. The job went smooth, okay? There's, there's a lot that goes on on a, on, a, on a. If you've built a house, okay, multiply that times 300 if you're doing a 300 unit complex. So it was, it was, a, it was a good job. I mean, I enjoyed it. Uh, it make you pull your hair out, but, you know, obviously it didn't affect my head. So, okay, I'm, I'm kind of easy good luck. But once the job started, uh, my job was to make sure that the job ran on schedule as far as the plumbing went and in budget okay my boss had bid a certain amount and for us to make money we had to come in at that or below it and so that that was my job my responsibility was to make sure that it got done on time and uh ultimately my responsibility was make sure the company made money okay And, and and that's if you work for somebody that's your job okay there's nothing wrong with that if we don't make money we don't get paychecks amen okay now i i had a salary package it was i thought it was pretty damn good and i got a company truck to drive so i was happy i mean it was a good job and on one of those jobs particular job we were doing in river chase uh everything just went well okay now that's some jobs it doesn't happen like that okay you understand what i'm saying but this job just went well uh our crew stayed ahead of the schedule and And the weather was unbelievable and we were able to make some changes in the way we plumbed each unit which meant we saved four or five fittings and you multiply that times 300 and you know plus time and and there's some money saved there were some changes that the 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 owner of the the complex made which uh enabled us to save even some more money and so the job ended i mean it was a good job If, if i didn't hear from my boss except on Friday when he showed up to give me the checks, everything was smooth, okay? If I started getting phone calls during the week, things were not going well. And so this was one of those jobs when everything was quiet. And so the job ended, we moved on to another project. A month or so later, I was on my way to cash my check on Friday. Now, uh, I'm one of those that when I get my check, I go to the bank and cash it. Okay. I just, I I worked in construction and I've gotten a few checks that were no good, if y'all understand what I'm talking about. So I just got this ingrained in me. When I get a check, I go to the bank, I get the cash, and I do whatever. So I, and I still do this to that, to this day. Uh, I had several churches that, that I've been on staff on that wanted me to do the electronic kind of thing, and I just want my check, okay? It's not that I don't trust y'all. It's just I want my check and I want to make sure it's good. So I was on the way to the bank and, and I opened my envelope. And there were, there was my my salary check, and there was another check. Well, I thought, you know, I I'd never that never happened before, and uh, and and I looked. You know, my salary check was exactly what it is every week, but but the check that was in there was big. Okay, and and when I say big, it, it was. This is 1980. It was big for me. Okay, it was a lot, and and I just kind of stared at it. And on the bottom of that check was written bonus, and it it, it didn't. It just didn't connect, okay, because, you know, the guy hired me. He told me what he would pay me, told me how many hours a a week I'd probably have to work. I got a truck. I got a, a, a credit card to buy gas with. I mean... On Fridays, I got a check every Friday. I was happy, okay? You can't ask for much more than that. had had some medical insurance and and, and some different things. So I had, I had a good salary package. But all of a sudden, there's a bonus check in there. And I, I hadn't done anything to deserve it. I mean, I, I didn't do anything on the job that we'd just come off of any different than I did on every job. I, I acted like it was my company. And I treated my men like they were my men, and we were in this together, and if we all did well, we all got paid, and we had a job, and I was happy. But there was a bonus check there. And so uh, I'm going to say it was far and above anything that I had, could even dream about. And uh, it, was, it was a surprise, and it was a blessing. I had anticipated it. And it kind of blew me away. In fact, I called because I was sure, I mean, if you knew the guy I worked for, you would have thought the same thing. I was sure that it was a mistake, okay? He's dropped a check in my check that doesn't go in my check, okay? And it wasn't. He said, no, it's a bonus. He said, you know, this happened and this happened and this happened, and he's, I just want to share the blessings that God's given me. I want to share it with you. And I was blown away. Now, I've received bonuses since then, okay? I've never had a job where you had incentives, and some of you probably do, where if, you, if there's so much work done and that kind of thing, you get extra. I have worked for places that gave you a Christmas bonus, okay? And by that, you know, there was a certain amount of money you could count on. But those are things you can count on. This was a surprise. It was, it was a gift, really. And uh, I had not anticipated it. And just like that bonus check that I got that day, there are some bonuses that go along with us knowing Jesus Christ. They're over and above what He's promised. Okay? They're, they're, they're more than. Now, the thing about the bonus is, is that I didn't realize it was coming. I just did what I was supposed to do, and it happened. The same is true with God, except He lets us know about those things from time to time. And this morning, what we're going to look at is what I call the God bonus. Friendship. Why don't you just keep that in mind? Last week, we, we looked at uh, the unrestrained access that we have with God. Last week, I, I was really clear and and, and sharing with you that if you're a believer you can go to our heavenly father 24 hours a day seven days a week 365 days a year i hope that math's right okay i'm not real good at math but you can go to god any time there's nothing that separates us from our heavenly father jesus Ensured that. The fact fact that we're in Christ, that we have a, a new ID, ought to give us some confidence that we can do that. The Bible says to go boldly into His presence. And by that doesn't mean arrogantly, like I said last week. It means confidently. With confidence that I won't be turned away. That you won't be turned away. Now, I said this last week, I'm going to say it again this week. If you're not experiencing that, it's not God's fault. It's your fault. Or it's my fault. That's not my fault that you're not experiencing, okay? It's your fault that you're not experiencing. But if I don't, if I don't grab hold of it, it's my fault. It's, it's, it's your responsibility to take the step in. The door's open. It, it, There's no longer a door there. And so we talked about that last week. And all, part of that is that it's a choice that we have to step into God's presence. It's, it's a choice that we have to enjoy that peace and that, that grace that comes from being in, in Father God's presence. It, it's, it's, it's a choice that we make to have a real intimate relationship with Him. It's a choice. Now, all of that's a part of kind of like the, the benefit package that you get for being a believer if we can liken it that way. Now, we don't work to become saved, okay? All of you realize that. What we do is we come to Christ in faith through Jesus Christ. It's, It's faith by grace, okay? For by grace are we saved through faith. That's what Ephesians says. We come to Christ, and when we surrender our lives to Jesus Christ, God saves us. He delivers us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. The Bible says that that we are baptized into the body of Jesus Christ. We are placed there by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God comes to dwell within us. We get a radical new identity. All of those things, and I hope there's more regeneration, and, 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 and I could go on and on and on. All of those are a part of the package, in a sense, of being a Christian. They are... Are unconditional when you come to Christ you're given those things God they're a part of the package that God gives that's that makes up salvation but there are some things that God intends to be a part of the package that are conditional a conditional means I have some responsibility in the process okay it's not that I work, okay, I want to get rid of that right now, okay? It's not, okay, I do this, this, and this, and God gives me this. That's not what I'm talking about this morning. But I do have some responsibility. We're going to talk about that a little bit this morning. The benefits that, that we have for being in Christ, I mean, they're, they're a part of what Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 calls being blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. God has blessed us with every And you've heard me say this, every means all. All the spiritual blessings of the heavenlies. So, I'm going to say this again. Let's get this straight. We don't earn them. We don't deserve them. And yet God gives them to us. But here's the deal. It's like a paycheck. If you get a paycheck and you toss it in the drawer, and every Friday you get a paycheck and you toss it in the drawer, and you never cash it, you don't receive any of the benefits, do you? Now, how many of you in here throw your checks in the, in the drawer and never cash them? You just see how many you can get saved up in there. There's not anybody. I mean, most of y'all are like me. You know, y'all, y'all smiled a while ago when I talked about taking my check to the bank and cashing it, but there's a lot of you like that in here. That check's been good every time, but you're going to make sure this is not the time that it's not good. So, I mean, it's important we cash it, but that's the deal. If, if we cash the check, we receive the benefit. And folks, there are checks that God has written that if we will just cash, we will step into some new places that we've never been. They're available out there. And one of those, I believe, is the bonus of being what the Bible calls a friend of God. And I'm just going to spend some time this morning. I'm going to define what I mean by friend, what a friend is, what a friendship is. I'm going to give you some examples of it from the Old Testament. And then I'm going to give you the condition that Jesus Himself gave. Okay, This is not something I dreamed of. Jesus plainly said this. And if we will obey what Jesus said, folks, we will step into a new realm of relationship with God. God is our Heavenly Father. Okay, When we come into relationship with Jesus Christ, He becomes our Heavenly Father. He's our God. He's our Lord. He's our creator. All of a part of that. He's our Savior. Okay? But but it's interesting that as you develop, as you get to know a person, that relationship deepens. And not everybody that calls Father God, or calls God Father, or calls him Lord, knows him as friend. it's It's a deepening relationship. But God wants us all to know him as friend. So we're just going to look at that this morning. And we're going to look at, and like I said, what I call a God bonus. It's available to every believer. I will say that again. Every person in this room, whether you're saved or lost at this moment, you have the, the opportunity, if you so choose, to be a friend of God. Now that means that if you don't know Christ, you surrender to Him as Lord and Savior. And then the process begins. But if you're a believer this morning, you have the opportunity right now to be a friend of God. But it's up to you. Salvation and heaven are free gifts. But true, intimate friendship with God has a cost. Okay? It's just like any other friendship. We often sing a song. And if you've been here several times, you've probably sang this, I am a friend of God. Now that's 100% true. It's, I love that song. Right? My feet get happy, my hands get up in the air, and, and you know what, I like that song. Because, but its message, folks, is a lot deeper than what we understand. It's not that we're just buddies. It's more than that. Far more than that. Being a friend of God is far more than just being acquainted with with him we live in a in a culture that we're friends if we've met each other now that that's not the culture i'm part of okay That that wasn't how i was raised but but that's becoming the culture of my daughter speaks of this is my friend and that's my friend and they're my friends and she's my friend and he's my friend and they're my friend well that, that, you know my dad gave me some advice years ago he said son if you have one or two true friends in your lifetime you're a blessed man and and what i'm talking about is a different kind of friendship than just an acquaintance now one of the general meanings of friendship results when one person is reconciled to another person when they've been in enmity with each other when they've been kind of at war with each other, and they reconcile, and they call each other friends, okay? That's a general meaning. That's a general meaning of friendship. And 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 you know what? We at one time were enemies of God. I mean, that's what Scripture says. We were at enmity with God. We were at war against Him. But through Jesus Christ. That enmity was taken away. We're no longer at war with Christ anymore. He died on the cross. He satisfied the requirements that God required. And the enmity is gone. And so in a general sense, if you're a believer here this morning, you are a friend of God. The enmity is gone. It's general, okay? Does that make sense? That's not what I'm talking about this morning. Maybe I can illustrate it this way. How many of you do Facebook? Okay, I'm talking about something I have no clue about right now because I don't do it, but I listen. The general thing that I'm talking about, this we're no longer at enmity, is is the same idea of of of, of when somebody asks you to friend them, or would you be my friend? And you say, okay, you're my friend. I'll sign up. You be on mine. I'll be on yours. Okay, you know them. Maybe. You may not have ever seen them. They have, you may have just seen that picture they put up there that may or may not be them. Okay? Y'all know, y'all are laughing, but you know what I'm saying. What you've shared with them may or may not be really you. But, you know, it's the persona you want to put out there. And, 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 and so, you know, you write back and forth. And in a sense, when we come to Christ, God says, I want to be your friend. Well, God, I want you to be my friend, okay? But I send you a note every once in a while. I'll throw a prayer up every once in a while, and when I'm in trouble, I'll really throw some up. Okay, we're kind of Facebook friends in a sense. Okay, that's not the kind of friendship I'm talking about. Okay, we we all on the same page? You can be a Facebook friend with God in a sense, your whole life, and never know Him any more than what you hear. On a Sunday morning, or what you see on TV, if you choose to. But God wants more, and the reality of it is, every one of us, deep down inside here, want more. Friendship. Well, let me let me just go ahead and define it for you. And 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 to to explain what I'm talking about, like I said, I want, I want to define it biblically. I want to use some verses. Out of Proverbs and some other places to define what a friendship, what friend is. I'm going to give you two clear examples from the Old Testament, and then I'm going to show you what Jesus said, and we're going to be done. And I got lots of ground to cover so we can get out of here, okay? So you're going to have to listen fast, okay? Friendship signifies a deeper relationship, it's far more than an acquaintance. It's it, it, it's 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 more than somebody that I have an acquaintance with, somebody that I've met. A friend is a, is a beloved companion that I feel comfortable talking to, spending time with, and doing things with. Okay, it's someone I want to be with. Y'all all tracking with me? Usually, friendships don't just happen like that. They're developed over time. Uh. We learn to trust each other. And that's going to be critical. Keep that in mind. We learn to trust each other. I, I'm trustworthy. That other person is trustworthy. And all of a sudden there's a bond develops. And, and over time, we share things with each other and we become confidants. And, and we do the things that, that, that we need to do. The Old Testament uses a couple of words. Uh, one, one word means companion friend it means neighbor it can even mean a, a, a lover okay the other word is is it's, it's interesting it's it's translated love in a lot of places literally that's it's it's the hebrew word ahead it, it, it's translated love but in some places it's translated as a friend but it, it's this kind of it's a beloved friend it's different than just that friend that my neighbor it's, it's a friend that's beloved. It's, it's somebody that's a companion, someone that, that's dearly loved. So we're going to look at a, a few verses, and I'm, I'm going to kind of work through these verses, and, and we'll, just, we'll just get a better definition. What I'm talking about, I mean, if we put it in, in, in our language, it's a best friend. Okay? That's, that's kind of the idea. It's a best friend. In the book of Deuteronomy, there's a there's a passage in Deuteronomy 13:6. Now, the context of this passage, I don't want you to get I don't want your brain to short circuit, but the context is about uh, God's giving Moses commands about people who want to lead you into idolatry. It's a negative context, okay? Just understand that. But what it says about a friend is very interesting. Deuteronomy thirteen six. If your brother, your mother's son, or your son or your daughter or your wife that you cherish now those are those are all people that you would classify as intimates, people that are close to you. Then he says this, or your friend who is as your own soul, who is as your own soul. Somebody. Who you literally share your life with? Who knows everything about you? Who who you're you're almost mirrors. You can answer each other's sentences. You can finish the questions. I mean, you got the answer before the questions ever. Some of y'all know. I mean, your conversation. You you kind of talk in shorthand with each other. Other people have no clue what you're talking about, but but you do because you think alike. That's that's the idea. It's it's somebody that knows you and knows who you are on the inside. Now. Another one, Proverbs 17.7 says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. It's the same word there. It's friend. It it, it Literally, the two words that I was talking about a while ago, the two Hebrew words are joined here. It says a friend, the, the, the Hebrew word that means companion, loves aheb, loves intimately. The friendship it it it's just kind of doubles up right there. Uh, a friend loves at all the time. It's descri- it describes the kind of love that a friend has. A, a real friend loves unconditionally. I'm gonna put Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4 through 8a up, and you're welcome to read it. But I'm—I'm I'm not gonna read the the whole passage. But I am gonna show you what unconditional love looks like. Okay. Unconditional love, the kind of friendship love that, that the writer of Proverbs is talking about is a love that's patient. It's a love that's kind. It's a love that doesn't get jealous. It's a love that doesn't brag. It's a love that's not arrogant. It doesn't seek its own. It's not provoked. It does not take into accounts or account a wrong suffered. It doesn't rejoice in unrighteousness. But it rejoices with the truth. It bears all things, it believes all things, it endures all things, and it never fails. That's what unconditional love looks like. And that's the kind of friendship that I'm talking about. Proverbs 18, verse 24 says, A man of many friends comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. That first friend The first use of friend there is is the companion kind of idea. The second one is the word for love. Literally, a man of many friends comes to ruin, but there is one, a beloved one, who sticks closer than a brother. It's somebody that, that cleaves to you. Literally, that's what a husband and a wife, the Bible says that you will leave your, your, your parents, your fathers and mothers, and you will cleave to one another. You will be, the Word is literally is glued and two will become one. It's, it's the same idea. Proverbs 27, verse 6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Any of you ever had a friend that had enough courage to tell you when you were doing stupid things? Let's just be honest. Acquaintances won't do that. It takes a true friend to, to come up to you and say, you know what? What you're doing is crazy. What you just said makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. You know, The crowd's not going to tell you that. Most of our so-called friends are not going to tell you that. But people that truly love you will tell you those things. Why? To hurt your feelings? No. To keep you from hurting yourself or hurting someone else. They'll come up to you and they'll say, look, that was crazy. The bruises of a friend, the wounds of a friend. You know what? They're willing to to give you an assessment of the situation that's, that's not what everybody else thinks it is. Proverbs 27 verse 9 says, Oil and perfume make the heart glad. So a man's counsel is sweet to his friend. When he says this literally, what he's saying is, is, is a friend's counsel is like honey. And honey was one of those delicacies in the ancient world. When they found honey, they sat down and they had their fill of it, okay? You, you find that all through scripture. Honey was, was sweet. So biblically speaking, a true friend is somebody who loves you unconditionally. Someone who's so close that you could call them a soulmate. Someone who understands you and sticks with you no matter what happens. In other words, in spite of. How many of you have some deficiencies? I do. I'm not perfect. Okay? We all do. But you know what? There are people that love us in spite of those issues and those deficiencies and those problems. It's someone who's not afraid to tell you, even when it bruises, even when it hurts. It's someone who's unafraid to give you counsel, no matter what the situation. A beloved companion, a friend. Now that's what Scripture says God wants to be. That's the kind of friend He is and the kind of friend He wants to be to you. He wants to be a best friend. It's interesting, in Scripture, there's one man who is called the friend of God and another man who it's alluded to that he was a friend of God. So I want to just look at those this morning for just a few minutes because I want you to understand uh, what that looks like. In Isaiah 41, verse 8, it's, God is talking to Israel and He says, But you, Israel, My servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen. And then He says it, Descendant of Abraham, My servant friend now you know you you can you can read over that and just miss it abraham my friend god calls a man his friend wow i mean that, that just kind of blows me away abraham literally the word there is the word for love my beloved abraham my beloved look at James chapter 2, verse 23, it says, And Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. In other words, Abraham put his faith in the promises that God had given him. God told him, Abraham, I'm going to give you a land, I'm going to give you children, and I'm going to give you a blessing. Abraham's an old man. He spends his whole life living in a tent, traveling from place to place. He's almost 100. He has no sons. And yet God says, I'm going to give you land. I'm going to give you children. I'm going to give you a blessing. And the Bible says that Abraham believed God. He put his faith not in what seemed unbelievable, He didn't put his faith in what he could see. He put his faith and his trust in God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And because he put his faith in God, it pleased God, and God reckoned it to him as righteous. In other words, God imputed his righteousness. He saw it as righteousness, and he accepted it. And then he called Abraham his friend. And that's the way, if you read... Genesis, and you read the story of Abraham, that's the way Abraham, it seems that Abraham and God seemed to walk together over a period of years as friends. Now, you may be thinking, I'm not Abraham. I'm not Abraham. I don't have the faith Abraham had. Well, maybe you got some of the other things Abraham had. Abraham was weak, he was fearful, he was selfish. He was self-preserving. Two times he goes into a foreign country, and instead of saying, this is my wife, he said, this is my sister. Because he knew that if he said, this is my sister, they wouldn't kill him. And so he used his wife. He put her in big danger. Okay? So he was a liar. He was a manipulator. Now, I'm sure that if you look really hard... All of us can find something, one of those characteristics that we possess. Amen? I didn't get much out of you there. (laughs) All of us have some of those traits. I doubt seriously all of us have all those traits, but there might be some. But folks, he trusted God, and he obeyed God. And God gave him friendship. God opened the door. For him to have friendship, and one of the most beautiful pictures in all of Scripture of friendship is when God makes a visit. He's on his way with a couple of angels. They're headed to Sodom and Gomorrah. They've heard the cries come up, and they're on their way to assess the situation and to destroy them. I mean, that's they're on a mission from which there will be no survivors. Okay, and they come by the tent. They share some news with Abraham and with Sarah. And as they're leaving, as they're beginning to walk away, God says in Genesis chapter 18, verse 17, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? Now this is God, okay? God doesn't have to share with anybody what He's about to do. Amen? He doesn't need Abraham's permission. To do what he's about to do, but but do you, you hear what I'm? What the picture there? God says, you know what? I don't have any secrets from Abraham. That's what he's saying. I, I don't, we're friends. We're companions. He's my beloved, and I know that that he loves me. We're we're, we're like this, and so you know what? I'm not going to keep any secrets from him. I'm going to share with him what I'm about to do, and then what follows is even uh, from a human standpoint is even more mind boggling. As a friend. Because Abraham intercedes for this city. Not just this city, but this whole area. These cities. He intercedes. He goes to his friend he says, God, I know you. And I know your heart. And God, if there's 50 righteous people in this city, will you spare them? And God says, 50? Yeah, okay. Now, that would have been pretty awesome. But Abraham doesn't stop there. He takes another step. He says, "God, if there's if there's if there's 45, will you spare them?" Yes, Abraham, I'll spare. Them. God, I don't, I don't want to. You know, I don't want to push beyond where I need to go here. But what if there's 30? I'll spare them, Abraham. Okay, God, thank you so much. God, what if there's 20? Okay, Abraham, if there's 20, I'll spare. God, what if there's 10? Just 10, God, will you spare them? you see what Abraham was doing? He was interceding for a city. And you know why God would answer his prayer? Now, there wasn't ten righteous people there. Okay? But God said, if there's ten there, I will spare these cities. He was interceding. In a sense, he was praying for their deliverance you know why he could pray for their deliverance and God would answer him that way? Because he was a friend of God. He knew God's heart. He wasn't asking for people to be spared because they're nice people. He's asking for them to be spared because they believe in God. Folks, here's the thing about intercessory prayer. If you and I will get God's heart and we'll understand His will, He'll answer our prayers. But if we don't ever get to know Him as a friend, we will never know His heart, and we will be throwing prayers up left and right that we have, number one, no authority to pray. And number two, no hope of ever getting them answered. So if we want our prayers answered, it might be a good thing to be a friend of God. Now that's, that's just a thought, okay? Just a thought. A, there's a picture here of that. It's amazing to me that God gives His friend that kind of liberty. He starts at fifty and he's bargaining. Okay, he's that bar- you can call it anything you want to call it, but he's bargaining with God, and God jumps into the bargaining. Okay, Abraham, till they get to ten. That's a beautiful picture of friendship. Now, the second man is Moses. Now, the Bible does not specifically say. Like it does with Abraham, that Moses was the friend of God. But it alludes to it in a verse which blows my mind. And that's in Exodus chapter 33 verse 11. I believe Moses and God had the same relationship that Abraham and God had. Here's what it says in in Exodus chapter 33 verse 11. Thus Moses used to speak, or thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face. Listen to what it says. Just as a man speaks to his friend. Every afternoon, Moses would go out to a tent that he had erected outside the camp. This is before the tabernacle was built. And he would go in and the presence of God would drop. And everybody in the community knew what was happening. And Moses and God would talk. And the Bible says that they spoke face to face. As a man speaks to a friend, eyeball to eyeball, mano y mano, man on man. In this case, God and man. Now, if you know anything about Scripture, you don't find that in Scripture. God spoke in a lot of different ways, but He didn't speak face to face. He spoke through angels. He spoke through Scripture. He spoke through different circumstances, situations. He spoke in dreams to His prophets. He spoke in visions. But to Moses, He spoke face to face as a man speaks to a friend. In other words, they had conversations like two friends. That's what the text is saying here. They had conversations like two companions, two beloved ones, friends who were walking together. The word there for speak is, is the word for commune. They communed together. God shared His heart with Moses, and Moses shared his heart with God. Now, just a side note here. You may be saying, I'm not Moses. Well, I would say, yes, you are. Moses had a problem. It's called anger. Any of y'all got an anger problem? Let's raise our hands. If you got an, if you if you struggle with anger, I, I mean, maybe you're boom and you blow up. You've got a short fuse. Okay, there's a few of you that have that, but more of you have this fuse. It's a long, lingering, slow one. That's the fuse I have. Okay, I'm easy, laid back, but when I've had enough, I've had enough. So I can understand Moses. Now Moses had a he had a shot. I mean, he had a one just like this. I mean, he, he goes from okay to a rage in a breath or two. And, and so Moses, Moses had an anger problem. Moses had a, a secure, I mean, a insecurity problem. God, I can't do this. Uh, you you need to get somebody else to do that. I, I, God, I can't speak. I I can't do this. I can't do, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. Moses had a, a security, an insecurity problem. Uh, Moses had, uh, A fear problem. I mean, let's be honest. Pharaoh was the most powerful man on the face of the planet. And Moses didn't want to appear before Pharaoh. So you know what? We're a lot more like Moses than we think. In fact, Moses' anger problem got so bad he killed somebody. He was a murderer. Now, I, I doubt seriously we've got any murderers in here this morning. At least not... Literal, but I'm, I'll guarantee there's a few in here that, you know what, if I could kill that person, I would. You've probably said that. But let don't, y'all don't look at me like I'm, I'm talking some goofy stuff. I've seen y'all drive cars and other stuff. Y'all know what I'm talking about. The, the potential, the capability is in here. Okay? We're a lot like Moses. And yet, the Bible says, that he, he trusted God, and he obeyed God, and God used Moses to destroy the most powerful nation on the planet. He used God to destroy the most powerful king. He used he God used Moses to lead two point five million people to the to the border of the promised land, and they said, no, we don't want to go. And so Moses turned around and led them for 40 more years through some of the most barren land that's available. Folks, the land he led them through looks like this floor here. It's, there's nothing there but rocks and dirt and all kinds of things that would like to kill you. It's a place to die in. And Moses shepherded those people through that. This is the same Moses who, whose relationship was so close to God that time after time after time after time he stood in between God and destruction. He says, God, please, if you destroy them, destroy me. Moses, get out of the way. I'm going to kill this whole bunch and we'll just start new with you. No, God, if you kill them, Kill me, God. If you kill them, you know what are they going to say? What are they going to say? What are they going to say? He bargained. He interceded. This is the same Moses, folks. That that they're on the mountain, and God's God's given him those 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 ten words. He's given him the commandments, and Moses goes back up on the mountain, and and and, and he he's he's become he's become so close to God. He says, God, I got one request. I want to see your glory. I want to see you as you are. I don't want there to be anything between us. I mean, that's what he's saying. And God says, okay, Moses, I'm going to grant your request. Now, you can't see me. You can't see my face. But I'm going to show you my back. And Moses, I love you so much that I'm going to put you in the crack of this rock right here and I'm going to, I'm going to shade your eyes so that you don't turn into a, a, a burnt piece of bacon. Okay? And that's what God does. Why? Because there was a friendship there, folks. There was a, God loved Moses. And Moses loved God. Now that's, that's a picture of what real friendship is. God allowed Moses to see Him as He was. And that's the kind of friendship that I'm talking about. That's the kind of friendship that Moses had. That, 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 that Abraham, the kind of friendship that's described in Proverbs. But now, here's the key. This was before Christ came. Okay? And th- there were some limits that were there because Jesus had not come. Folks, there are no limits now. Jesus has erased the limits. There's one person got that. Jesus has erased the limits. So the friendship that you and I can have makes theirs pale in comparison. What was available to them is just the doorstep, folks, of where we get to step into. And God wants every one of us to have it. You know what? God didn't award blessing to these two men because they were something special. We, we like to make heroes at them, but, but they they, were, they are heroes in a sense, but it's not because they did heroic things, it's because God worked in them. They, they were just regular men. And they're women in the same case in the Old Testament. They were just regular women. It, it wasn't because they were holy, or they floated above the ground, or they had that, you've seen the pictures, they had the little gold deal that goes around their heads. Moses didn't have a halo. Abraham had no halo. Folks, they're just like us. Here's the difference. They pressed in. They pressed in. Abraham's pressing in when he says, God, what if there's 50? I'll spare them. I'm going to take another step. God, what if there's 40? What if there's 30? He's getting closer every time to God's heart. Here's what I believe. I believe God. What if there's just one? I believe God would have said, "Okay, Moses." If I mean Abraham, if there's just one, I'll spare the city. You see, I think Abraham stopped short of God's heart. That's another sermon, and that's not even. I didn't even plan to say that. My point is is that they pressed in, they stepped, they took every inch of access that they had. They milked every situation for all it was worth. They squeezed every drop of their relationship out with God. They were bold in their confidence. They were bold in their faith. And they were willing to obey whenever God told them to do it. And the reason they were willing to obey is because they trusted God. If you don't hear anything else I say this morning, you won't obey God if you don't trust Him. You may go through the motions and you may do things in a sense that look like obedience, but your heart's a hundred miles away. If you don't trust God, you won't obey Him. Folks, that's where most of us are this morning. We really don't trust God. Because if we did, we would do what He says. Just keep the trust and obey thing in mind. We're getting close now. Friendship with God is, is a deeper... Relationship than just being a child of God, okay? If you're born again this morning, born from above, you are a child of God. He is your heavenly Father. But what I'm talking about is a more intimate relationship than even a child and a parent. It's a beloved, one heart. But folks, for that to happen, it requires that you and I do something. It's conditioned on what we choose to do if you've got your Bible this morning I want you to turn to John chapter 15 I've been trying to get here now you're saying well Nelson you only got five minutes six minutes at the most okay I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna make the most of my six minutes all right here's the key Jesus it's the night Jesus is going to be crucified he's he's given his disciples the most important stuff that they need to hear in John chapter 15 verse 12-16, through 16, Jesus says this, "...this is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that, he, that you lay down your life for your friends, or for his friends. You are my friends." Now listen to what he says, "...if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends." For all things that I've heard from my Father, I've made known to you. You didn't choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask on the, of the Father in my name He may give you. This I command you, that you love one another. Bracketed between the same command, He gave them one command, that you love one another like I've loved you. That's, that's it, folks. If, if we would learn to love one another... As Jesus loved us, everything else gets a lot easier. So bracketed in between the friendship aspect is obedience. Now, if I trust God, I'm going to love people. But then he, he gives a description there of the greatest act of love that a person can give. He says that he lays down his life for his friends. Now, when we think about that, we think about the person who... You're walking down the street and you step out into the street in, in, into traffic and, and somebody from nowhere hits you and knocks you out of the way. Or we see from time to time we have a, a story about a soldier who, who dives on a, a hand grenade or, or, or jumps up and, and storms a, 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 an enemy position to save his, his word. That's not what this is talking about. It's, it's different, okay? That is a heroic act. And not, I don't want to diminish that at all. I want you to understand that. That's a heroic act. But it happened in a moment. There was a, there was a decision made, boom, just like that, and they did it. It's not that they didn't think they did, but, but it happened so quick. Boom, i got to save my friends. You're not sitting over there going, hmm, do I go, do I not, do I go, do I not. You don't have that time. You don't have that luxury. That's not what Jesus is talking about. That Jesus is talking about is someone who had given their life up before they even came. Jesus was willing to die for these men and for us before He ever got here. In fact, the Bible says, before the foundation of the world, the Lamb was slain. So in His mind, the greatest act is somebody who is prepared to die for their friends at every moment. How many of you have a friend like that? Jesus says, that's the kind of friend I am. I'm that kind of friend. He goes on and he says, you are my friends. In other words, now, they're not. He's saying, you are my friends. And here's the condition. If you do what I command you. As I was studying this week, I mean, God's really. He he's he's just continues to show me pictures of how Jesus did what Adam did not do. And how the scenario between the garden there in in, in in Eden and 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 Jesus' life they're lived they're 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 just like this. They balance. It's interesting. Jesus ends up in a garden. And here's what he does. He prays, Father, not my will but thy will. What did Adam do in the first garden? God, not your will, but my will. That's what He did. Jesus reversed it. And here, He reverses it. Instead of of, of being selfish, Jesus is selfless. And so He says, You are my friends if you do what I command you. In other words, if we will just obey Him. How many commands did God give Adam? One. Don't eat of the tree of the of good and evil. Don't eat of it. What does Jesus say here? This command, this is my commandment that you love one another. One commandment. Now, all of us know this that been in church for a while that that, 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 that all of the commandments are summed up in this: love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Love fulfills all the commandments. And that's what God's calling us to do here. Then He says, "This no longer do I call you slaves. You're not slaves. You see, a slave has no clue why he has to do what he has to do except that his master tells him to do that. And Jesus is saying, you're no longer servants and slaves. You're my friends. So I've shared everything that the Father I've opened the Father's heart up to you. Literally, in John chapter 1, it says that I have exegeted the Father. I've made the Father known. I've turned Him inside out so that you could see I've shared all the secrets of God with you. And folks, by extension, with us, we have this. They didn't have the complete Scriptures. They had the Old Testament. But they had the Word that walked among them. And gave them the revelation. He had shared everything with them. Everything was there. He had shared the secrets of God. He had opened it up for them. And they couldn't claim ignorance. And folks, we can't claim ignorance. Now, here's the thing. We want to act like servants and slaves. Because we've been told that's what we are. We're not. We're the friends of God. He's... he's, opened up everything for us in Jesus Christ this morning. Jesus calls him His friends. They're hand-picked. He picked them. Two or three weeks ago, we found out that if you are in Christ, God chose you. He picked you. I could go on and on about this verse. But here's the thing. The key ingredient of this verse is: if I want to be a friend of God, then I got to trust God enough to obey Him. That's it; it's that simple. I want to be known as as God's friend. In other words, I want God to say, "Hey, you see Nelson? He's my friend." Why? Because I do everything perfectly? No. Because I've got some talent that I hadn't figured out I've got yet? No. Nelson obeys me. He does the best that he can to obey me. And when he makes a mistake, he repents of it. Folks, that's that's all we have to do. That's all God's saying. He's not asking for perfection. In other words, if you obey me 999 times, that's not what he's he's saying. If you just have an attitude and a heart of obedience, if you will just trust me, Folks, when we trust someone, we'll step out. I remember uh, several years ago, uh, when I was a kid, and it's been several years ago, a little more than several, we went swimming, and uh, we, it was in a pool, and uh, we didn't have pools, okay? I mean, it was a big deal. We swam in the creek. And I can remember my dad standing in the deep. I mean, not standing, but he—he was—he was in the deep end. He said, "Jump in." It's a little bit deeper than I am, Dad. Uh, if I jump in there, I don't swim real well. Jump in, son. I'll catch you. And I had to decide: did I trust my daddy or not? Well, to make a long story short, I bailed in with all my might. Boom. That's all God's saying: is trust me. I trusted him, and then I obeyed him. See, if you try to obey him without trusting Him, you're going to have all kinds of problems. It it will mess you up. If you will just trust Him and obey Him, everything will work, folks. And the only commandment He gives us to obey is love one another. We do that through Him. He loves through us. I'm going to close with this. I mentioned this a while ago. But I'm going to come back to this point because it was just something God just kind of smacked me in the head with. Because I read verses about prayer, and I think, wow, you can ask for whatever you want, and God will do it. Here's what we tend to do, though. We tend to pull those verses out of the context in which they were given. And then we wonder why they don't work when we ask for anything that we want. Well, here's one with context. As as Jesus is, is talking about this, He says, You didn't choose Me, I chose you. I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask of the Father in My name, He may give you. Now that's bracketed between this command I give you, this command I give you, love one another. It's also where Jesus says, You're My friends. So because you're My friend... You know my heart. And so because you know my heart, you know my purpose. And my purpose has become your purpose. And when my purpose is your purpose and you show up in front of my Father, He'll give you whatever you want if you'll just ask in my name. Okay. Folks, do you want your prayers answered? How many of you enjoy praying and not seeing anything happen? Here's the recipe. If I will become God's intimate friend, if I will become one who knows God and who is daily learning more and more about Him, I will learn God's heart. And I will become intimate with God. And God's purposes will become my purposes. And God's plans will become my plans. And when I pray, I will pray His will. And I will pray His purposes. And I will pray His purposes. And you know what will happen? He will answer. And whatever I ask in the Father's name, He will give me. See, that, that's not some, okay, I'm going to pray for a Cadillac this week and I'm going to pray till I get it. That's not what this is about. This is, this is about walking with someone so long that you can't tell there are two there anymore. There's only one. They have one heart, one purpose. And so when this one asks, this one responds. And when this one asks, this one responds. Folks, that's what it means to be a friend of God. And there's no excuse for any of us this morning not to step into that walk and begin to walk. Nothing holding us back except our own will. question is are you willing to are you willing to let's pray for more information on eagles wing church visit our website at www.eagleswingchurch.org or on facebook at facebook.com forward slash eagles church thanks for listening and have a blessed week